Welcome to the Tactical Tool Belt Climate Tech Podcast. On this show, we focus on how the real estate industry, the world's single largest emitter of greenhouse gases, can leverage climate tech to become part of the sustainability solution. I'm your host, Greg Smithies. I'm a partner on the climate tech team at Fifth Wall, the largest and most active venture investor in technology for the real estate industry. In this podcast, we'll be joined by people on the front lines, the people inventing, investing in, and deploying the climate tech we'll need to make our homes, offices, and communities more efficient, more sustainable, and ever closer to carbon zero. Hi there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tactical Tool About Climate Tech, where we talk to people who are on the front lines of decarbonizing the built environment. And uh, today we have the fantastic opportunity to talk to Sam Steyer, who is the CEO and co-founder of Greenwork. Thanks for uh, spending the time, Sam. Thanks so much for having me on, Greg. Excited to be here. So, uh, Sam, I ask all of my uh, guests this because I think most people are fascinated about the entrepreneurial journey. You know, how does someone just wake up in the morning one day and decide that they're going to, you know, throw caution to the wind and start a company? So maybe just give us a couple of minutes on on how it is you got here and, and got to found Greenwork. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been passionate about climate change and sustainability for a long time. And I studied applied math and software in school and spent the early part of my career working for clean tech companies companies and for climate policy organizations doing software. And then in the 2020 uh, presidential election, my dad, Tom Steyer, ran for president as a Democrat. And I left my job. I was working for a startup called Station A at the time to work on the campaign. Yep. And I got to do something that was just an incredible privilege, which is work as a surrogate speaker on the campaign. So that means traveling around and doing events where they can't get the candidate, but they want someone yep. from the campaign to go. So doing small speaking events at, you know, diners and local meetings of the Democratic Party and city halls around the early primary states. L and lots of handshakes and kissing babies. Yes. Yeah, like actual retail <laughs> politics here. Uh, yep. Truly actual retail politics, you know, yeah, the whole political system is in Iowa for a month. And so I was doing that. It was just an amazing privilege to get to do. And we were running on a climate message. And so being Democrats running on climate, we were just yep. surrounded by the ideas of the Green New Deal and what would become sort of the Build Back Better infrastructure plan. Yep. And I found it so inspiring, the idea that we were going to create millions of good jobs, rebuilding our country to be zero carbon, but to be better in a bunch of other ways. But I also got to see the challenges of it. You know, we would go, for example, we visited the largest wind tower manufacturing facility in the US in Pueblo, mm -hmm. Colorado. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. It like, you know, they weld sheets of steel for 108 hours into a cylinder to be the tower for wind wow. turbines. And yep. it looks like, you know, it looks more like NASA than like a factory. But, it, yeah. um, but they were also understaffed because you can't just, you know, hand people the tools and say, now you're a welder, now you're an electrician. These are very high skilled jobs. And so yep. it, it occurred to me that we have this huge opportunity. We also have a lot of challenges doing the upscaling and placement to make it happen. And so I, I wanted to play a small part in, in making that vision happen. And so after the campaign, my friend Godwin and I started Greenwood. Got it. Okay. So I think you're, you're, you're leading in here into, into the problem, which maybe I'll do a little bit of preamble that I think a lot of maybe outsiders think of, hey, well, as the economy goes green, it's uh, by default going to destroy jobs, right? Like people, people defaulted to thinking this is bad for the economy. But I think what you're alluding to here is there are tons and tons of jobs in the green economy. They're just different jobs. So what is the problem really that you're trying to solve here with green work? Just, just starting out, why is this a, a big problem? And what is the problem? Yeah, so that's exactly right. 
And given that we're a marketplace, we have to solve a problem for each side of the marketplace. And so we're really solving two problems. For employers, we're solving the problem that at a time when we're investing massively in infrastructure, it is very hard to find experienced, skilled frontline technicians to do mm -hmm. construction, electrician work, manufacturing, et cetera. And that oftentimes that is the, the single biggest constraint on growth for companies yep. in this sector. And then for people and for training organizations who want to rise to that challenge, we're solving the problem that they are specialists in their skill. You know, if someone is going through a school and learning to weld and the teachers are specialists in welding, the person is becoming a specialist in welding, but they don't have the time and resources to navigate a very complicated you know, poorly documented job market. And oftentimes people do training and finish it and aren't able to get a job or get a job that doesn't yep. use their skills. So we are simplifying the job search process in the industrial sector for people. Got it, got it. So, you know, kind of put into into other other terms, because so many of these industries are, you know, somewhat backward looking, not, not internet enabled, blah, blah, blah. It might be the case that you actually have an oversupply of welders in, say, Michigan coming out of the auto industry and an undersupply of people in Colorado where they're putting together those wind turbines, right? And it's just a massive market inefficiency here. That's right. Yep. Okay. So do you have maybe any stats here on the on the size of the problem here or, or how many jobs do we need in these uh, clean green industries? Um, yeah. How big of a nugget is this? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's huge. And we actually see it broadly that we need to rebuild the whole industrial sector and that there's that workforce is going to build a cleaner built environment, a cleaner transportation system, but that it's about building up and skilling up broadly construction, manufacturing, logistics. And to give some numbers, CNN estimates that we are a million construction workers short of what we could employ right now. And that's before yep. the infrastructure bill that's coming through Congress. Deloitte has estimated that by 2030, there'll be 2.1 million open, unfilled manufacturing roles in the United States states. And it is very normal for residential solar companies to have to push installations out four to six months because of lack of installation labor to you know do projects that are sold and signed and ready to go. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think at the moment, maybe we're, we're also seeing a double impact. We've got supply chain problems and we've got installation human problems, right? Like no, no right. joke. I've been waiting for a, for a solar install here on the farm since February. Uh, it is now November almost when we're recording and uh, no end in sight. And that is a scheduling problem on just getting enough humans to, to install this thing. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's been a while. Okay. Yeah. So let's then hop, hop then to the solution, which is obviously green work. <laughs> um, but uh, what is of it course. exactly that, that green work does? Yeah. So we are a job search platform that is built for construction training schools. And the, the key different, you know, there are plenty of places on the internet where you can post your resume. But the, the key feature set that we have are things that allow the career counselors and trainers and staff at these programs to participate in the student's job search. So to give an example, one of our partners is the California Conservation Corps, which is an amazing mm -hmm. one-year program for Californians between 18 and 26, where they go and uh, support construction projects, uh, land management projects, and firefighting for a year. And then people graduate, you know, knowing how to use power tools, how to work in crews, how to do construction safety. And through our platform, anyone in the California Conservation Corps can upload their resume to Greenwork, upload information about their job search, and the transition navigators who help them can uh, make edits to their profiles and resumes and can directly connect, them, reach out to employers and share batches of students. So it's really a, a group job search for a 
school. On the employer side, we are a recruiting platform where you can both post jobs and receive a feed of interested candidates, which is populated by the schools. Yep. And then you're specifically focusing on kind of clean, green industries here. So construction of wind and solar and those sorts of things, correct? That's right. Although we, um, you know, our definition is pretty broad. We're interested in green construction. We're interested in clean transportation, we're interested in doing logistics in a more efficient way. You know, we think that, you know, as really the vision of Build Back Better in the Green New Deal is that it's a broad project of building a 21st century infrastructure in the United States that is zero carbon, but is also digitally connected, efficient, healthy. So, so yes, we are focused on green, but we define it very broadly. Yep. Got it. And then how about the the site? I think you mentioned this as well. A lot of this is frankly just reskilling people. It's someone who might say have been my example, right? Welder welder in the auto and manufacturing industry who's now getting into the, the clean industry. Are you really covering that as well? Because I feel like there's potentially many of these jobs can be filled with people who have very close skills, but just need kind of a, yeah. a readjustment slightly. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, yes. So we really have two archetypal users. One is a young person entering the trades for their first job. And one is a mid-career professional with trades or manufacturing experience who wants to switch specialties. And I think the, there's one thing that's easy and one thing that's hard about that. The, the, mm. the great thing about that is a lot of the skills that people need the most, you know, uh, safety, teamwork, experience using tools, construction math are totally transferable. And so like you said, yeah. it's, you can get someone a little bit of education on top of a, a wealth of existing experience and they can put it to use. I think that's the good news. I think that the thing that's challenging that people in our sort of workforce development world aren't always as sensitive to as they should be is people need to make a similar income to what they were making before. You know, there's yep. um, it, someone who is a, for example, a, a unionized coal or oil field worker who's has yep. 10 or 15 years of experience is making a lot of money. And so suggesting to them that they should become, you know, a entry level solar installer one, even if they have yep. the skills for it is, is not replacing their income. So I think, so we do think about mid-career, but we also, you know, try to be realistic and focus on making transitions where people can maintain a similar level of income. And, and realistically, I think this is probably one of the number one things that wrangles the political machinations of getting a clean, a clean uh, energy out there is that the, the jobs, whilst there are lots of jobs in clean energy, maybe on as good, quote unquote, as the jobs in the in the fossil fuel industry. What's your overall sort of outlook on on quality of jobs on either side, be it, you know, lifestyle versus income versus, I don't know, place in the world where you have to work versus safety, right? What, yeah. what really is the trade-off here? Because I don't think it can be as simple as just dollars for dollars, right? One job versus the other. Totally. You actually have to think about these things holistically. Totally. Absolutely. So, I, I mean, I think the, the short answer is there's a wide range of job qualities in both industries. And like you were saying, you know, both oil and gas and clean energy and construction, safety is so important. You know, we always try to always tell our job seekers safety is the number one priority of any role you're in. And um, working with the right employers in that case is really important in that case. So we really try to vet who we're placing with and really stress that to the people we're placing. The other point you make about flexibility is huge, you know, and, and that sort of depends on what kind of job you want. And I think there is a more consistent trend there, which is but most of at least the jobs we look at deal with cleaning up the built environment. And so they tend yep. to be urban and they turn to be five day a week jobs, you know, like a yep. residential solar installer or a building 
HVAC person it can work five days a week and they tend to be yep. in a population center. And fossil fuel jobs tend to be the opposite. They tend to be away from people because people don't want to live near coal power plants <laughs> or yep. um, oil wells and times of intense work interspersed with time off. You yep. know, like, you yep. know, you're doing shift work on. typically. Yep. Yeah. And so that's really different. And, and I think for that reason, while we love the idea of helping specifically fossil fuel workers get great jobs and renewables and where we can, where they're making as much money, which does, you know, you know, master electricians working on utility scale solar projects make a lot of money. Like there are, there are roles that make a lot of money in clean yep. energy. So where we can make those transitions, we do, we don't, we we don't expressly say, you know, like we're all about fossil fuels to green because in many cases, the person who is most excited about urban home service job at the rate of pay of a beginning solar installer is might be someone who was, you know, working at customer service at Target and is now taking a year long course to be able to do that because it's a, a better job in the same place. Yeah. And ac actually, there is this third category of clean green jobs that we've sort of been talking around. But I think most people think of clean green, uh, clean green jobs as just green energy, right? So solar and wind. But there's this whole other category, which is how do you retrofit all of the other existing infrastructure and buildings we have to make them totally. more energy efficient? Um, and those are the jobs you're referring to that tend to be in cities, nine to five, five day a week type jobs. And and there actually, I've got some, some fun stats. So if you take a million dollars and invest it in uh, the coal industry, on average, it creates around about four jobs, right? If you take a million dollars and invest in clean energy, you know, solar and wind, on average, it creates five jobs. That's great. It's more jobs. But if you you take that same million dollars and invest it in energy efficiency retrofits into buildings. So like installing heat pumps and insulation and things like that, on average, it creates 15 jobs, right? So actually one that. of the best ways that we can pull any economy, but frankly, the US economy out of any kind of a nosedive is uh, really focus on, on construction jobs around any energy efficiency. Totally agree. And also, as we're sort of cleaning the grid, you need to increase the cleanliness of your electricity, but you also need to decrease how much energy we're using. It's kind of a two sides of the same coin, right? So, so we should really be trying to do uh, to do both things. And it's it's very heartening that you are covering those other types of jobs as well, right? Yeah. So we we joined a Department of Energy group called the Better Buildings Workforce Accelerator. That's mm -hmm. you know groups that are focused on education and hiring in efficient buildings. And I think there are right now around 230,000 people work in solar in the US and that's growing super fast but and it's, that's a meaningful number of people but building efficiency is more like 2 million people it's huge yep and yep. Um, I agree with you. It's not talked about as much as it should, but it's a, a really important part of the puzzle. The other thing I, I would be would want to point out is part of it is using less energy in buildings. Part of it is just switching end-use fossil fuel to electricity yep. on the yep. hope that we will over time clean up the grid. Yep. No, absolutely. But even even typically, I think the uh, the thing without going too much down a rabbit hole is if I switch from, say, a gas furnace in my building over to a heat pump, that heat yeah. pump is way more efficient. So per, per watt of energy yeah. that was going into that furnace, I was creating one watt of heat. Well, actually, probably more like 0.8 watts of heat because of efficiency, right? Uh, but that one watt of power that goes into my heat pump can create actually up to three watts of heat inside my building, right? So the process of electrification typically makes things just more efficient as well. Yeah, that's absolutely right. It's not just that you're switching from fossil fuels to electric, right? So even right. if your grid stayed dirty and was 100% coal powered, we'd still be in a better place from a CO2 perspective if we just electrified everything, right? Right.
Right. Totally. Yeah. So this, this is fantastic. I think if I were to sum it up, right, we have incredible growth opportunities here for jobs, high quality, good paying jobs in all of these sort of new new economy areas, right? Like building efficiency, like clean, green energy, things like that. But we have a massive undersupply of humans in them, either because they just don't know about these jobs or they have, you know, don't have skills and we would like to give them skills or they need to be reskilled from, from an adjacent job. And, and what Greenwork is really trying to do is build a marketplace here to bring the employers and the schools together to, to bring some strong market efficiencies to this very inefficient uh, job market, right? That's exactly right. And I would just say my mental model of it is they usually have 90% of the skills and sometimes they need an in-person hands-on training to sort of get the last 10%. Absolutely. Well, where can, uh, where can people go to find out more about Greenwork? Yeah. So our, our website is joingreenwork.com. You can come make an account and we're also on Twitter and LinkedIn. And if you're an employer who's interested in working with community-based organizations and training organizations, we'd love to talk. That's uh, all we do. Exactly. And I'm sure that a bunch of people uh, listening now are pounding the table saying, yes, I can't get enough HVAC engineers. Um, and I'm very <laughs> excited to, to find where I can hire some more. Uh, so that's great. No, thank you very much for, uh, for spending the time with us. And uh, for those listening, head to joingreenwork.com if you would like to get into jobs in this industry or if you'd like to hire a bunch of uh, high-skilled folks. Awesome. So thanks, thanks so much for spending the time today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. And I, and I love the podcast. Thanks for what you do. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Fifth Wall's Tactical Tool Belt Climate Tech Podcast. For more on Fifth Wall and our efforts in climate tech, visit our website at fifthwall.com.